This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio, and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. We have a couple of very interesting 2022 model year introductions to talk about, and there's a new J.D. Power study about electric vehicle charging we'll talk about as well. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack Rad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. We're happy to be joining you on the SportsMap Radio Network, and I'm happy to have Chris with us. Uh, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, Jack. Uh, enjoying the last few weeks of summer before the kids have to go back to school. How about you? Yes, exactly. I have a, a daughter who's going back to college in about three or four weeks. I'm going to move her in up there, so we'll be doing that. Chris Teague and I both write for Driving Today for JDPower.com, AutoByTel.com, several other auto sites. We've been reviewing cars and trucks, vans, SUVs, all that stuff for years now. And Chris is based in Maine. I'm based in Southern California. So we uh, exchange weather reports now and then just to see how others are doing. And you're coming up on the end of summer there. Uh, how's it going for you? Yeah, the end of summer is coming, but for now it's still quite warm, which actually worked out well for uh, this week's test vehicle. But it's also uh, the county fair season is starting to kick back up. So uh, I got to enjoy a nice demolition derby with the family a few days ago. And it was my kid's first uh, violence-related car event. So <laughs> I think that uh, they were pretty excited about it. Yeah, uh, violence in a, the most benign kind of way, I guess. Just a good good fun, <laughs> good county fair fun, so I love that. This week we will also have a terrific guest for you. Our special guest is Jim Morrison. He's vice president of the Jeep brand in North America. He always has interesting things to say. I've spoken to him several times. He's a great guy. We'll be talking with him about the recent success of Jeep and more specifically the all-new Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. I had a chance to drive both of those recently. In the road test segment, Chris, what were you driving? I've got the 2021 BMW 430i convertible. Very snazzy. You were styling there in Maine in that uh, (laughs) BMW convertible. Uh, My family and I took a recent vacation in Texas just last week, and I'm going to be talking about that. And the vehicle we had was the Toyota Sequoia TRD Pro. So we'll chat about that when we come back. Uh, Before that, we'll have some news for you. So stay with us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Nerad with you. And we have latest news for you of the automotive world. And pretty cool stuff, I think. Uh, Especially, I, I would say this look out, Tesla. Uh, I would say that about the uh, all-new vehicles that Audi is putting in the market because it's pretty cool stuff. The 2022 Audi e-tron S and e-tron S Sportback models are going to be arriving this fall, and they will feature three electric motors, three electric motors and 496 horsepower, and an amazing amount of torque, 718 pound-feet of torque, these are going to be really cool performance vehicles. What's, what's your take on what's coming from Audi in terms of these e-tron S and S Sportbacks? I think it's exciting. You know, they're in the, the Porsche Volkswagen family, and, you know, the Porsche Taycan was uh, exceedingly quick and very exciting last year, and I think this is going to be a good move from Audi. 496 horsepower, uh, and what would otherwise be just a family crossover is pretty amazing. 
Yeah, very very cool. You know, they uh, the two rear motors are independent of one another, and they operate uh, without the front motor operating. So all kinds of torque vectoring going on. Uh, I think this will be amazing to drive. I can't wait to get behind the wheel of uh, these two Audi e-trons. They are the sportier of the e-trons, uh, sportiest, I guess. They also look the part. They're two inches wider than the e-tron and the Sportback models. In fact, they're the only Audi S models that are wider than the standard model, which kind of surprises me, but uh, that's, that's what they say. And they also have these digital matrix LED headlights. Each light is divided into 1.3 million pixels. That's about 1 million pixels more than I thought. Or <laughs> I guess I didn't even know what to think about digital matrix headlights. What's your take on all this, Chris? Digital matrix headlights, and if I understand this correctly, uh, either they are not completely legal in the United States or are becoming legal, or I think there's some sort of gray area there, but uh, the way that they can avoid blinding oncoming traffic and also pedestrians, so the vehicle you know, senses what's coming and can shift the light away from oncoming traffic and, and even pedestrians, like I said. So really neat technology, and uh, I think that it would be cool to see more vehicles adopt it. Certainly, they, uh, these models will have the virtual cockpit that we've come to love in Audi vehicles before, a 12.3-inch virtual cockpit, basically with the instrument display, and you can configure all that. And here's the thing that I think is very cool. It is an integrated toll module that's built into the rearview mirror that's interoperable. I guess that means it'll work with <laughs> all major tolling agencies in the United States, which I guess is is pretty useful and you probably run into a lot of toll roads there in the east right chris i do and you know what's funny when i first moved to maine i was driving uh through new york and i had never been through a toll booth before at that point in time uh, and didn't realize the vehicle that i was driving had an easy pass module in it and i was sitting at the the toll booth and the guy was saying move it buddy move it buddy i didn't know what to do so uh, really neat that it comes built in, and hopefully uh, it works uh, with various companies and not just you know one or two. Well, as cool as the, these vehicles are, I'm a little concerned about the range. Uh, Audi quotes 208 miles of range for the e-tron S and 212 miles of range for the e-tron Sportback S. I wonder why the difference, number one, because they're mechanically about the same. <laughs> but I'm also wondering about the, the number. Uh, to me, it seems like a not not as much as many miles as we'd probably like to have what do you think yeah you're right and you know for a similarly priced uh tesla you know the model s you get way over uh, 300 miles on a single charge so to see low 200s i mean it's probably great for around town but uh could be quite a pain on a road trip to have to stop and charge so often yeah well we shall see and i hope we get a chance to drive these uh they will be priced between eighty-four thousand and ninety-two thousand dollars, coming to an audi dealer near you this fall which is coming up uh, more rapidly probably than we would hope. Well, here's another vehicle uh, that's been introduced recently and maybe a little more approachable in terms of price. It's the 2022 Toyota GR86. I think this vehicle just used to be referred to as the 86, but now they have added GR to it as well. And it's their little sports model that they uh, co-developed with uh, Subaru. What are the high hard ones on this one, Chris? <laughs> the high hard ones. Well, first of all, the uh, return or I guess the continuation of the manual transmission. So it still gets a six speed uh, manual. I think it gets a 2.4 liter uh, four cylinder engine this time around uh, 228 horsepower, which is more than we saw last time. 
And uh, Toyota and Subaru both together seem to have taken the complaints that com- that uh, consumers and reviewers had about the car, uh, some lacking in the torque curve, some cheap interior bits, uh, you know, some other things there, and, and really tried to improve on all the, the soft spots that the car had before. Uh, I haven't been behind the wheel yet, but from what I've seen, uh, by all accounts, they have done a great job at addressing those things, and the car, I think, looks pretty neat, too. Right. I would love this to be a great car. <laughs> I, I just love this kind of car, and there's so few of them in the marketplace these days. You know, I had an RX-7 back in the day and uh, really enjoyed that. And I think these sporty coupes are kind of going the way of the dinosaur. And it it strikes me as as being a bit of a shame. I agree. And, you know, some people could even complain about Toyota not developing the car completely on their own. But if it takes a partnership with Subaru to get a car like this out the door, I'm happy to have it. Uh, I think the more the better. Well, we can't wait to drive it. So that's the uh, Toyota GR86. And that's coming to a Toyota dealership uh, near you soon as well. So uh, I think you have a story for us as well, Chris. What's up? I do. U.S. News and World Report has just released the results of a study that they do uh, every year. I'm not sure how many years they've had it running, but this is the 2021 Best New and Used car for Cars for Teen Drivers. Uh, they take a look at the car's safety scores, its available technology, uh, reviews and quality and reliability and things like that to come up with a list of cars and various price points that they think are great for young drivers and uh, what i thought was really neat before i mentioned some of the vehicles are what they're saying to avoid when you buy a car for your teen they're saying to avoid buying sports cars uh they don't want you to buy really small cars they say the crumple zones on those vehicles are not great uh trucks and large suvs are harder to drive they say and also have a higher seating capacity which means that uh, your teen could carry more people around which adds to their distraction Uh, and they also say you should avoid buying a car with too much horsepower so uh, what's your take on those those points, Jack? Uh, I think some of them are silly, to be frank with you. <laughs> uh, I, particularly the stuff about trucks and SUVs. I think if you look at uh, safety s- statistics, they are among the safest vehicles out there. Part of that has to do with who's driving them, but also part of it has to do with the, the fact that mass generally wins if you are in a crash, and those vehicles have mass. Certainly, you want to avoid a crash. I think the the fact that the, those vehicles are are larger and and generally safer probably trumps the uh, number of people you can <laughs> have in them uh, as distractions. So uh, I think that's a, a bit odd, but uh, I think there's some some value in this list. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that opinion. But uh, just a few of the cars quickly. Uh, the 2021 Nissan Altima uh, is the best new car for teens between thirty and thirty-five thousand uh, dollars. The Toyota Camry Hybrid is the best new car for teens from thirty-five to forty thousand. But the interesting thing here for me is that Hyundai took four spots on the list. Uh, the Elantra Hybrid, the Kona, the Ionic Hybrid, and the Santa Fe Hybrid all took spots between twenty and thirty and forty thousand dollars for their various classes. So. Uh, apparently, Hyundai is doing something right uh, via the criteria that U.S. News has laid out. But uh, just interesting points, given that uh, I have to wait about 10 more years before my daughter starts driving, thankfully. But I, I thought you'd find it interesting, given that your your kids are aging out of the teen driving uh, state. Absolutely. I don't have any teenagers anymore, actually. <laughs> I mean, our uh, lone teenager that was left in the brood turned 20 uh, just last week. We had a, a little celebration for her in Texas. We'll maybe talk about that a little bit uh, in the next segment, but uh, that was very exciting. And uh, so uh, we've gone through that, and these are now uh, just working adults, mostly. <laughs> so we got that going for us. Well, as we mentioned to you uh, in the previous segment, uh, J.D. Power has a new survey out, a new study, and it's on public charging of electric vehicles. And of course, that is 
critical uh, to getting electric vehicles adopted. And uh, frankly, they think American do, America can do much better uh, in having public charging than they do right now. Uh, certainly that is something that uh, I think a lot of us would agree with. One thing that uh, came out very clearly uh, from the study is that Tesla was a big winner. They ranked highest in both high-speed, high-voltage charging and the level two charging. They did very well in both. So Tesla destination ranks highest among level two charge point operators. Uh, their index score was 689 on a thousand point scale. And the Tesla supercharger network, the much vaunted supercharger network, uh, rated 733 on that thousand point scale. So uh, kudos to Tesla for we're doing well on that. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the way that they've got everything integrated within one sort of ecosystem for their cars and their owners, it just makes it so much easier to access the charger. Um, we'll see how that changes over time, though, because as we talked about a while ago, uh, Tesla's opening their supercharger network to owners of other EV brands, which may put uh, a strain and cause uh, Tesla owners to have to wait a little bit longer. But it'll be interesting to see uh, how this rating changes as those uh, chargers open up to other owners. Yes, we'll certainly check that out. And I think J.D. Power will probably report on that as we go on. <laughs> when we come back, we will be road testing a couple of very cool vehicles. And I can't wait to hear uh, what Chris found out driving that BMW convertible around. So stay with us for that. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Chris Teague, Jack Neared with you, and it is road test time. Boy, we really love road test time, and you had a very, very cool vehicle to drive around in Maine in the summer in this BMW 4 Series convertible. Tell us all about it, Chris. I was truly spoiled, Jack, uh, and even more so because we had such nice weather, and we always do the weather report, but it seems like every time I get a convertible or a Jeep or anything with the, that the top can come off of, it either rains or is cold the whole week. Uh, neither was the case for the week with the BMW, so we were truly lucky. But in any case, this is the 2021 430i convertible. Uh, it's got a turbocharged 2.0-liter inline four-cylinder engine that makes 255 horsepower and 294 pound-feet of torque. Um, this car had rear-wheel drive, but you can option it with all-wheel drive, which would be better for Maine. But in the summer, I'm totally fine with, with rear-wheel drive. Uh, the price on this car starts around $53,000, but after options, this one came in just under $56,000. Uh, that included a $3,800 M Sport package, which had 18-inch wheels, uh, darkened exterior trim, and a $2,300 premium package, which uh, added a 12.3-inch digital gauge cluster and a larger 10.3-inch infotainment touchscreen. But uh, this car and a couple of other BMWs' latest models, they've taken the kidney grill and they've stretched it vertically. So it's really large. Um, I would call it polarizing, and I think that's probably being kind. Um, in person, however, the grill is nowhere near as prominent as it is in pictures. And I would say that uh, if you see it in pictures and it doesn't really look great to you, go see one in person because it's a totally different animal there. And I think that over time, it ended up growing on me. Uh, Jack, what do you think about the new front end styling? Well, like you say, uh, polarizing is probably the uh, nicest thing you can <laughs> use to describe it. I, I think a lot of people are going, well, what happened here? This is weird. And there just seems to be this trend, and uh, particularly among European cars, to just have these oversized grills. And BMW was late to the party. I think Audi was uh, the one that really kind of started all this. And uh, 
they have <laughs> responded in kind uh, with these larger and larger grills. I think in some ways they are kind of reminiscent of an old radiator grill from, say, a car from the 30s <laughs> or so. But uh, I think they're maybe a bit out of place right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, I'll say that design matters, but by far, you know, the grill has no bearing on the way the car actually drives, at least from behind the, the wheel. So, uh, but in any case, this car uh, is cushy enough. So you know that you're driving a BMW, but it's not over the top. Uh, back in 2019, I drove the uh, M850i convertible and that car, uh, you know, almost $100,000, probably $90,000 more expensive than this car. Uh, and the experience there was over the top, but I would not say that this car being, you know, a third of the price is any less of a BMW or is it any less fun as a convertible? So um, just an all around great experience. The four cylinder engine, you know, 255 horsepower in a car of this size is, is pretty significant. The car can get out of its own way and really move when you want it to. Uh, it makes a satisfying turbo whoosh and, and blow off sound from the valves and uh, really lets you know what's going on under the hood. So uh, that's very satisfying, as I said. The steering of this car is heavy, and as is typical of BMWs, it's not extremely communicative. But again, this is not a super sports car, so I think we can give it a pass. You know, that's nicely weighted. Uh, it's responsive. It's tight. It's quick. Uh, so unless you're going to take this car on the track, which I don't know why you would with a convertible, um, it's really not going to make a difference for you. Um, as I mentioned, this car has got the 10.3 inch. It's a larger touchscreen, 10.3 inches. Uh, it runs wireless CarPlay, Apple CarPlay, and wireless Android Auto. And Jack, you and I have spoken about this before that we prefer wired uh, Apple CarPlay or wired Android Auto. But I have to say, this is one of the smoothest implementations of wireless that I've seen. Uh, the phone connects easily, stays connected. Uh, there's very little in the way of lag when you're tapping the screen or switching between menus. And one of the cool things is if you disconnect it, like if you're going through the Starbucks drive-thru, for instance, and need to scan your phone, you disconnect it, it connects right back. There's absolutely no, no bumps there at all. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, I usually take my kids in the car with me when we go, and this was no exception. So now that my daughters are both in booster seats, we had plenty of room for them in the back of this car, and even with my wife in the front seat. Uh, I wouldn't call this a family car, or nor would I take it on a road trip, but for a weekend fun car, uh, I think that they've done a great job with the 430i convertible. Well, very, very cool. It sounds terrific. I'm a, a little concerned that uh, BMW is losing their mojo in terms of handling, because if the steering isn't communicative, I, I think that's probably a bad thing. But I think overall, you probably have a champion there. And, and we certainly were driving a champion on our trip to Texas recently. We actually flew into Texas and then did some driving in Texas. I have two daughters in Texas, so it made sense to have a family vacation there. There are two grown daughters who are now gainfully employed, which is a wonderful thing. Something you can aspire to, Chris, is having your <laughs> your children working, which is kind of a cool thing. First, you have to put them through college and all that. But uh, we were driving the Toyota Sequoia TRD Pro, which is a special version of the Sequoia that is mostly off-road oriented. But what was telling to me was how good it was on-road, because we did mostly on-road driving with this, and we also experienced uh, some Texas roads that I think would rival main roads in terms of being terrible uh, <laughs> in the summer. Uh, we certainly experienced that uh, in, in some of the stuff we were, we were driving, but much, much of this was on-road driving. But it's the opportunity to see how something that is designed for off-roading can be a family vehicle, and I think that's exactly what the TRD Pro is in, in Sequoia form. I think TRD Pros uh, maybe in Tacoma 
the pickup truck and others are a little more uh, heavy-duty off-road oriented than the TRD Pro Sequoia. And I think that's as it should be. I think this is a, a vehicle that uh, is a great all-around family vehicle. That's certainly what we determined. It was interesting to me that one of the things Toyota touts most about this vehicle is that it has Android Auto, Amazon Alexa, and Apple CarPlay compatibility. That translates whether you're going off-road, on-road, or wherever. Uh, but it certainly worked beautifully well for us, and we did a lot of navigating because we were in places that we had never been before on roads that we could could not quite tell were roads uh, a lot of times uh, in the TRD Pro, so that was good. Of course, the uh, Sequoia has an independent rear suspension, and now some of the other uh, full-size SUVs like the Chevy Tahoe have uh, emulated that or copied it, if you, if you want to say that. Uh, there was plenty of rear legroom, uh, this was a seven-passenger configuration, I think a configuration that the Teague family prefers, and it, it worked out for our family, although with three daughters and two second-row seats, that meant that uh, one was always pushed into the third row, but it seemed to work out. Uh, what's your take? You had a Sequoia recently. Uh, give us your take on all this, Chris. Yeah, the Sequoia is... You know, so it's a giant vehicle, and it makes good use of that size inside. You know, plenty of second row legroom, as you mentioned. Plenty of headroom, uh, an excess of headroom, I would say. And as you said, uh, we do prefer the seven passenger configuration because the captain's chairs in the second row. Uh, I always make the joke; it kind of creates uh, a built-in demilitarized zone between uh, the two kids, so they can't reach each other, and they kind of have their own space. But uh, it's true, as you say, when you have more than two people or more than two children or two passengers in the back, uh, somebody gets pushed to the third row, and uh, that person, you know, depending on how tall they are, may or may not be so happy about that. But uh, my kids are still young enough to think that it's really cool to be sort of isolated in your own cubby in the back. But uh, I don't know how your daughters would feel about that. Well, when your daughters get to be like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, or 5'10", five, they're <laughs> They're a little less uh, sanguine about being in the third row, but they, in in the defense of the Sequoia, the third row was pretty comfortable, and it had uh, electric folding uh, seat backs. Those third row seats collapsed uh, electronically, uh, so that was helpful and a pretty comfortable spot, I think, for for whoever ended up back there. And uh, they traded off, so that was nice of them. Uh, safety was not an issue. It, uh, the vehicle has Toyota Safety Sense P, TSSP, standard across the line. This includes a pre-collision system with pedestrian detection and automatic braking, which we didn't use. Lane departure alert with sway warning system. I guess there was a little lane departure uh, nudge to me a, a now and then, uh, particularly when I wanted to cross a line and it didn't want me to do that. Uh, and then radar cruise control, which we like. So uh, the ride and handling was uh, very, very good. I think a, a nice combination of, of ride and handling. Um, and again, this was the off-road oriented vehicle. So a lot to, uh, to like about that. I think they did a great job mixing in um, the specialized off-road shocks just to make it work well all around uh, with a, a, a great interior as well. I agree. And, you know, we you've mentioned this a couple of times now, but it is uh, interesting how off-road oriented vehicles uh, such as the GMC Sierra uh, AT4 I tested a few weeks ago. We mentioned this, too how a lifted suspension, you know, uh, more shock absorption, 
and uh, sort of beefier tires can add up to a, a pretty nice on-road ride that actually you know does yield legitimate off-road capabilities. So I'm all for it uh, if you are okay making a, a large vehicle even larger by raising it up and putting large, more, bigger tires on it. But uh, I'm all for it. And for the, the Sequoia itself, it's a little bit dated, but man, it's comfortable and it, it does have great capability for families and towing too. So uh, I'm in favor of that. Well, it's interesting too. You talk about how large it is, but it doesn't really drive large. Of course, uh, you're coming. Uh, I am a guy who drives our Chevrolet Tahoe a lot, so that's a larger vehicle, uh, and it it feels a bit larger. So I think a lot of people would like the Sequoia, who might find, uh, say, the the uh, Tahoe a little large for them. So interesting, and it, it all comes with your point of view, right? And and your previous experience. So uh, I think. Uh, <laughs> A good take on the Sequoia from both of us and, and two cool summer vehicles that we had this time around. So uh, congratulations to us on that and to others who actually are going to buy these vehicles. Uh, we think they're going to like them very much. And when we come back, we will have an interview with Jim Morrison, who is one of our favorite guests on the show. He is the vice president of the Jeep brand in North America. Always has interesting stuff to say. So Stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nerad with you, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nerad back with you, and we're somewhere in New York, uh, fairly close to New York City, but about as separated from New York as you could possibly imagine being as close to New York as we are. And what a great guest we have uh, for you. Jim Morrison is vice president of the Jeep brand in North America. Jim, you've been on our show before, and thanks so much for being on it again. Uh, Jack, it's great to uh, great to see you and great to be here with you in uh, New York for the uh, Grand Wagoneer drive. Right. The Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer has prompted our getting together again. And Give our listeners the the high hard ones about Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. Obviously, they're names they've heard of before, but now revived and coming back. Tell them about it. Well, the nice thing is, you know, we like to listen to our customers, and one of the things they've been telling us for years now is bring back Grand Wagoneer. And you know, you go back through our history, and you know, we had uh, Wagoneer first came into uh, America in 1962 as a '63 model. And, uh, and we ran it through the uh, early 90s. And uh, when, when it dropped, it still left a lot of really good feelings in people's uh, hearts and souls, and they, they wanted us to bring it back. So we're back here today with it. In a lot of ways, that was one of the first, if not the first SUV, right? I mean, it really was a pioneer in personal transport of that type. It really was, and you think back to that time, we were the first ones to ever combine four-wheel drive and stuff like automatic transmissions, air conditioning, we added in leather seats, and we even made, you know, we were, we were pushing the edge with four-wheel drive like we always do, and we had automatic locking hubs so the customers didn't have to get out. All of that kind of stuff, even the high-tech at the time was the CB radio. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all of that was, uh, was all of what really started the SUV craze that we have here today. Right, and uh, that name resonated, and it's resonated for years and years and years. I hate to say that, but that's what, 50, 60 years ago, right? Yes. That's a long time ago, and people were demanding, wanting, demanding might be pushing it, but they were certainly wanting that uh, to come back, and it makes all the sense in the world. Sort out for our listeners, Wagoneer, Grand Wagoneer, and the relationship to Jeep. So Wagoneer is the premium extension of the Jeep brand, and we have two vehicles. One is the Wagoneer, and one is the Grand Wagoneer. Uh, in this case, grand means more luxury. 
So the, uh, uh, the Wagoneer is the vehicle that is right in the heart of the um, mainstream full-size SUV market. And, you know, starts in the high 50s and, uh, and goes up to, uh, you know, $70,000. And it comes in two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. Uh, it is, they're all powered by 5.7 liter V8s with eight-speed automatics. Uh, all have seven or eight passenger seating. And that's the, the Wagoneer. The Grand Wagoneer adds a huge amount of American luxury to the conversation and then competes in what we call as the, the premium uh, large uh, SUV category. Uh, starts at 80,000 and goes to 100 and, and, uh, 110,000. So they all have four-wheel drive as standard. They all have uh, 6.4 liter uh, V8s, tons of power. And then same thing with all of the uh, added uh, luxury and capability that you would expect in a, in a vehicle in that price range. So tons of capability with the Wagoneer and then the Grand Wagoneer just takes it to a different level and you're really competing against two different segments, aren't you, with, yes. with these two vehicles? Yeah, the, uh, the mainstream segment of the Wagoneer is, is, is you know, focused you know, a lot on families and you know, having great transportation, great vehicles that uh, you know, can take the basketball team or the swimming team or the family you know, where, they, uh, where they want to go. A lot of attention to great uh, packaging, so there's a lot of space for people and stuff. So we've got uh, the, kind of the best-in-class uh, passenger compartment. We've got the best-in-class you know, behind the third row um, for cargo. So we've handled what those customers are, are looking for. You know, lots of space to, uh, to carry all your stuff and all your people. So you had some, uh, I would kind of call it pillars of the brand here yes. that you, you wanted to support the brand. Yes. Why don't you tell us about those a little bit? Well, there's six. And, you know, first of all, it's capability. And, you know, for, uh, for you know, a brand that is focused on capability for so long, it's just all about uh, four-wheel drive capability. Uh, and towing uh, capability that we've got. So we have three four-wheel drive systems, absolutely the best in class, as you'd expect from us. You know, you can actively manage the torque all to one wheel if you want to in both uh, high range and low range. Customers might not even care about anything I'd said there. They just expect that because it comes from Jeep that it's, it's really uh, going to go wherever you want to uh, point it. And, uh, and that's the best thing. It's got an incredible four-wheel drive system. Beyond that, it has 10,000 pounds of towing capability, and you know, for a lot of our customers that uh, you know maybe maybe towing you know horse trailers uh, or large um, snowmobile trailers uh, or you know whatever they want to tow behind their Grand Wagoneers to have uh, fun, take their their sailboats or their powerboats to wherever they need. 10,000 pounds uh, is a lot for this category, but even if you have a 2,000-pound trailer it will tow it with an unbelievable amount of confidence. So that's what we've been, uh, added to the, uh, the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. So that's capability is number one. Second is the, uh, the overall spaciousness uh, in the design. We talked a little bit about that and having lots of space for your, um, for your cargo and your people. The, uh, the next one is it delivers it in a way with unbelievable driving dynamics in a vehicle that looks as big as it is really doesn't drive like it is and, and you got a chance to experience it today what do you think it, it's it, really true it's really true it feels good very agile I'm used to driving big three-row vehicles I I've been doing it for a long time and I'm a family guy with three kids so uh, we've had those uh, throughout and it's a very agile vehicle it, it just feels really good and we had some challenging roads on which to drive them today yes that perfectly said because I think our engineers would love the fact that you recognize that 
Um, so those are the three. Now there's the fourth one is um, best in class safety. So if you can imagine the, um, the customers in this class are always looking for safety and to keep their family the safest they can. So we made sure we had the best of safety as well. So there's more safety and security features. We count them up to 120, uh, uh, but uh, that's, that is, means your family is fully protected. We even have a full suite of connected safety services that will call um, 911 for you if you crash. And, and we've added that to the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer for the life of the vehicle. So it's not just safety is free for the first five months or six months or six days. It's forever. You know, it, it'll go from the first passenger or for the first customer to the next to the next to the next because we think that's always very important. And then the uh, the next is technology. And this is just fun. You know, we, we have technology delivered in a Grand Wagoneer and a Wagoneer that is the most warm execution of technology that that uh, that I can imagine it we talked before about uh, you know the, the warmth of the Grand Wagoneer name we wanted to make sure that we employed the technology that our customers are looking for in a nice warm way so it makes you feel like a million bucks you walk up to the Grand Wagoneer the puddle light comes on it displays a nice uh, Grand Wagoneer sign on the ground you know as you get closer the the uh, power sidestep deploys for you so it's easy to get in out of you open the door and you see 75 inches of screens. It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, from it's the like centers, a sports bar almost. It right? is. <laughs> it is. And in fact, you can put one as a comfort mode, and you can make you know whatever background you want on all of the screens. It's, yeah, it's I think really a fireplace incredible. was one of them. Fireplace right? was yeah, indeed yeah, one of them, yeah. and, and it looks really good. And then um, it has the first time ever a um, uh, a passenger screen, so the the driver can't see the passenger screen, but if you're the passenger up front you actually have your own screen. So you can help with navigation. Not that that's ever happened, but it happens to me every time. My wife's an amazing navigator and I suck. Um, so, but she can actually dial in where she wants to go and then she can fire it over to the, uh, to the center um, navigation screen and I can see it from there. Or she can watch a movie, start a movie. I say she, but it I've could be anybody. I've never seen that before. Have you, is that it's in any other time. vehicle? Yeah. It's the first time that uh, Amazon Fire TV is what we've uh, added for the first time in the industry with uh, with this. So you can literally start a program. You can be watching the Olympics in your in your uh, family room, and uh, oh, it's time to go. Let's continue watching the Olympics uh, from the Wagoneer. So it's really uh, it's really great. And then and then the uh, the other piece of technology that uh, is really uh, nice and, and leading the way here is we've got uh, Jeep Active Drive, which is a uh, basically a form of autonomy where where you can dial it in and set the pace. For the, for the vehicle it will steer for you uh, you just need to keep your uh, your hands you know close to the steering wheel and it monitors everything and it really uh, takes a lot of the stress out of driving and then later this year we'll have active driving assist with hands off so you can even you know drive with your hands in your pockets as long as you're paying attention to the road but I think the the thing that I I think most people will be impressed by and I can't wait to hear you know Jack what uh, what you're thinking of it but the interior and the American craftsmanship that we've done with both of the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer are top notch. There's more attention to detail uh, than anybody can imagine that we actually put in, in, a, uh, in a full-size SUV. It's got more real wood, more real leather, and more, more real metal than anybody else in the, in the marketplace. But we do it in such a nice, warm environment. You know, again, it just it makes you feel good. It, like the interior hugs you, not to mention the fact that you've got, a, you know, a, a 23-way power seat. You've got a 23-speaker Macintosh uh, audio system to surround yourself with uh, 1,375 watts. It just blow you away with surround sound. So we've got all of the uh, craftsmanship 
um, that you could ever imagine. So that's kind of... Uh, it really is here. a beautiful interior with a, a variety of ways it can be served up, right? I mean, yes. there are a variety of interiors, all of which, though, have that warmth. And I, it, it's kind of interesting that that's the term you glom onto because there's a very homey feel to being, uh, if, if you yes, <laughs> have a luxury home, I yes, guess. Yes. Uh, it, it's a very upscale, but you know, homey kind of thing as opposed to a machine-like. Yes, you know, some of our competitors are very sterile and machine-like, you know, and we had the, um, the warmth of the uh, original Grand Wagoneer to draw from, and that really guided us through this. And, and you know, our customers did as well, and that's what they want. They want to, f- you know, feel comfortable and, and warm about their adventure. And, and the nice thing is, you know, they're ready for action. You know, whether you're, you know, jumping off the uh, soccer field with muddy cleats, you jump in. You know, whether you're, you know, taking it off to go fly fishing like you can here today, you know, throw all your, your tackle box in and your, and, your, uh, and your rods and away you go. You know, if you happen to be muddy and it rains, yeah, it does. You know, it, it just enjoy it because you've got a very capable vehicle that will not only take you there, but it's ready for that sort of stuff. So it's, it's warm and ready for, uh, for the great adventures and, and more great memories from Grand Wagoneer. What are some of the special opportunities and challenges of launching what is essentially kind of a sub-brand, right? And yes. it's in white, spa- white space that you weren't in anyway. Uh, talk a bit about that, would you? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's really nice from the business side of it because it's going to be incremental business for us for the large part. Because, you know, as people have you know, came up through our brand and kind of stopped at Grand Cherry, because that was the the largest vehicle the that we pinnacle. had. Yeah. You know, like you or me, we have three kids. You know, you need to have extra space. Or you have two kids and a dog. Or, you know, then we have the new Grand Cherokee L. Might seem like a shameless plug for that, but that's a great uh, intermediary step for us as well that we've just added to it with the new Grand Cherokee L, uh, the first three-row Grand Cherokee ever. But if you even need more space, you know, and, and, and more towing capability... Um, then now we have the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer. So the, uh, the challenge, the biggest challenge is, is to, you know, articulate to the world that, uh, that we're back uh, and get the message out, you know, and, and uh, the biggest opportunity for us is to bring new customers, you know, in and, and, uh, and serve them properly and, and uh, make them customers for life. Well, and let's talk a bit about that. I mean, I think the Jeep brand has, for one reason or another, gathered kind of a premium sense to it it's not a mass market brand in the way that say chevrolet is and this is not a knock to chevrolet or ford or any of those but it has more panache certainly than those brands have talk a bit about that and and what that gives you when you go to wagoneer and grand wagoneer well you know i think it gives us a running start you know because it makes sense and you know that's something that's developed over the years and you know you look back you know when we first launched the 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 past generation of grand cherokee back in 2010 you know, kind of the top of the range was Overland. You know, our customers, you know, helped with that. They said, hey, you know, this is really good. 4x4 gets me through the winters. Love it. But, you know, I want to have a little more technology, a little more luxury. We added in the Overland Summit. And then, you know, a couple of years after that, they said, hey, give us a little more, you know. And we were attracting more and more, you know, customers that were typically buying luxury cars, you know. Uh, and But they needed to have the 4x4 capability, but they wanted all of that luxury and technology now in their SUVs. So we gave it to them. We've, you recall we introduced the Summit. Um, and, and now we've taken it to the next level with the Summit Reserve for Grand Cherokee and then an all-new level with Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer. So we're kind of building off the, the running start that we've uh, kind of created over the years. But most importantly, it's just listening to our customers and, you know, they, they, and attracting new customers, you know, mostly out of cars. That In the past, the SUVs, uh, there was too much of a compromise, whether it be with fuel economy or ride or no technology or safety. And now they can have it all. You know, that 
Grand Wagoneer out there now has more safety and technology in it than any other cars out there. And, and you add in the best in class 4x4 and it, it will absolutely you know, be the vehicle to have. Now you add into the fact that it is now setting the, be the benchmark for the best interior, I would argue, in the industry, whether it be car, truck, SUV, uh, super SUV, super import. Very nice. He can, very, very I can, nice. Yeah. I'd be happy to drive that up to the competition and say, I have a better interior. Absolutely. Jim Morrison, Vice President of Jeep, has been with us. We really do appreciate it. Jim, you always do a great job on the show. It's so, so nice to talk to you. So thanks for being with us. Jack, thank you uh, for having me. I, I love talking to you. It's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, talking to a family member, and you always make me feel so comfortable. So thank you very much, and really good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris Teague. This is Jack D. Red with you, and it is listener question time on America on the Road. And Chris, I, a little birdie told me, or maybe it's a larger bird, maybe it's an eagle, told me that you have a question for me. Do you? I do, and this one comes from Stephen with a V, and he is in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, Stephen says that this is uh, he's looking at buying a car for the first time, a new car, and he wants to know what is the main thing that he should keep in mind as he's shopping for this new vehicle. I think the main thing he should keep in mind, and I have written The Complete Idiot's Guide to Buying or Leasing a Car. It's sitting right here on my desk. And so I've done research on this. The thing you should keep in mind is you as the consumer, as the car buyer, have all the power. A lot of people are, have great trepidation about walking into a dealership and they think they're going to be taken and it's going to be a bad experience for them. And they have all the power in the world. They have money to buy a new car that makes them a rare commodity. They have all the power to walk out of the dealership, which is the key thing you should do if you don't like the way things are going. Just get up and go. You have no obligation to them at all. So you have tons of power as a consumer in a car dealership. And I think that's a key thing to keep in mind. I think those are great points, Jack. I totally agree. Well, and I think that's our show. So we've concluded the show for, to, uh, for today, except for thanking Chris Teague for co-hosting with us. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Jack, for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I will say, if you'd like to see photos of the cars that I test every week, along with watches and everything else that I uh, write about on a regular basis, I would encourage you to follow me on Instagram. It's at Teague Drives. That is at T-E-A. G-U-E drives on Instagram. I'd love to see you guys. I would love to follow that too. I should have been doing it up till now, Chris, but I will certainly do that. And uh, I encourage all of you the, to uh, follow our podcast, the America on the Road podcast. It's available on all the podcast platforms. And most of all, thank you for being with us and join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. And if you're looking to buy a new or used car, check out the information at drivingtoday.com. That's drivingtoday.com, the official website of America on the Road.